And uh, Merry Christmas once again. Thanks for being part of our service today. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 2 and appreciate that um, we get a chance and opportunity really to be together on, a, on Christmas morning and just uh, get our minds set again on, on the, the real Christmas, the Christmas that we find in the Scriptures about the birth of our Savior and, you know, the passage that we read this morning is probably one of the most read passages, passages of Scripture on a day like today. And uh, the Christmas story on Christmas Day, there's nothing like it. Um, yet we can't simply cast this beautiful story into the background of, of a busy season. We've got to bring it to focus. And, you know, sometimes when we read through the Word of God, we can, uh, for, especially for those of you who this morning are you're faithful in attending church or faithful in reading the, the Word of God, sometimes you can read through the stories of Scripture, included even the Christmas story, and sort of just read it casually without any real realization of what, what it all entailed. I think sometimes when we, when we read the Scriptures, we sort of see the final, uh, the final result or the final, uh, the, 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 how the story ends, and we sort of Look at that and we can at times not notice the details of what it took for it to actually happen. And as the choir sang just then, really, it was such an important event, the, the Christmas story, the, the incarnation of our Savior, the, the Savior being born, and, uh, and yet at times we can sort of casually read through it like it just happened. And I think at times we can, we can look at that and, and really not marvel at it like we, we ought to. You know, I think about uh, some things, and you know, I'm, I'm wearing this nice watch here this morning, and I got this as a gift, actually, not this Christmas, not a Christmas at all, it was uh, for my ordination. And a couple of years ago, when I got ordained, uh, uh, one or two of my friends uh, bought me this watch and gave it to me as a surprise. And I look at it, and it's, um, you know, I can't really tell, I just admire the beauty of it. I admire just how it can tell me the time, and how it's craftsmanship and so forth. And, and yet, within the, the, the confines of these, uh, this metal, uh, really, time piece are cogs and things that make it work together. And I, that's unbeknownst to me. And yet, when we read through the Bible and really look at the details of the Christmas story, we can at times just marvel at the final, final result. We can marvel at the fact that, yes, it was at this time that Jesus was born and now he, we know Him as our Savior, but uh, look at the, we're going to look at some of the detail of that and really understand something. You know what, what the Christmas story really tells me as I think about it is really just the power of God. Just, just His power, we understand that God is love and He did it out of love, He came to this earth, but I, I think about God's power. I think about the fact that, that all of history really was against this happening. And yet, despite all of the circumstances, even in the present when we read it, we understand that God overcame all of that. And really, it speaks about God's sovereignty. It speaks about His power. And what we're going to see in this unfolding drama of our Savior's entry into the world, this, this history being made and shaped, Luke writing and relying again on these eyewitnesses, uh, eyewitness accounts, uh, we see some prophetic scripture, and then we see some things even in the, in the currency of the event 
that just speaks to us about the power of God. And what we're going to see is that we see evidence God's power in, in prophecy, God's power over circumstances, and then ultimately God's power to save. So let's pray we'll ask the Lord to bless as we get into the Scriptures this morning. Father, thank You again, Lord, for the, the beautiful story of Your birth. Thank You, dear God, that as we observe right through Scripture, uh, the, the, all of the, the details of this, this uh, history-changing event, we really do understand then just Your power and, Lord, just Your, your absolute desire to, to enable us to be saved. And so I do thank you, dear God, that we can get an opportunity this morning to worship you, an opportunity to open your word and learn and grow once again. And we just want to thank you and praise you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. So notice, firstly, here the prophecy of his birth. And, you know, the, the story sort of opens a little nonchalantly. It's a bit nonchalant how he says, and it came to pass. Like it just happened. And, and sometimes we can look at. You know, uh, things like what I was saying, this watch, and we sort of think, well, it just got put in a box, and it just looked like that. But, uh, you know, the Christmas story, even though Luke writes it like it just happened, Luke writes it like it just was so plain, it came to pass, yet we understand that so many pieces had to fall together for it to be able uh, to come together. And, and really, it seems a bit of an understatement. Uh, but these things, I think what Luke was trying to say was, you know, these things aren't hard for God. You, you know, the, the, the happenings of the Christmas story, it wasn't actually difficult for God. You think about the God who spoke the world into existence. You think about the God who, right through the Old Testament, right up to this point, wrought uh, numerous amounts of miracles that to the human mind and to the human sight is quite impossible to do. And yet for God, nothing is too hard for God. For God, it's, nothing is impossible. And so he looks at this and, and really in, in prophecy through, through the, 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 the pages of the Old Testament, he prophesies of the Messiah's birth. Uh, really, prophecy is the litmus test of deity. Really, prophecy is what indicates to us who is most powerful, who is the powerful one. And, and the Bible does carefully tell us in Isaiah 46.10, Declaring the, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. That's God. He knows the end from the beginning. And, and so as, he, as we observe the Christmas story this morning, it wasn't actually any surprise or any difficulty to God. In fact, He foretold it in prophecy. Firstly, we notice his Bethlehem birth. And uh, we note in verse 4, and Joseph. And if we took the time this morning and read through the account in Matthew, we understand that Joseph had to be complicit in the plan as well. Remember that the angel came to Mary and announced the birth of Christ. And we understand that Mary and Joseph, they were betrothed at that point and, and they were planning to, uh, to, to have this life of marriage. And yet she comes back, remember from our story last time, from her visit from Elizabeth, and goes and sees her, her, um, her fiancé, her husband-to-be in Joseph, her, the rest of her family, and she announces the news, I'm pregnant. And imagine that, that uh, spanner in the work, so to speak, and yet you, you know that the angel came to Joseph and comforted him about the situation. But you know, it still had to take Joseph 
for that to be able to, uh, to happen. And, and here's the part that Joseph played. It was through Joseph that they were able to go to Bethlehem as foretold. You understand, Joseph had to be complicit in this. The Bible tells us in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is be, to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. And so foretold in Scripture, hundreds and hundreds of years before, you see that the birthplace, the Bethlehem birth of Christ, you know, it was through Joseph. It was actually Joseph's complicity to the plan. He, he could have made a choice to, to do otherwise, and yet there he was by faith following through. And, and because of that, he, him being in the lineage of David, David, he was made to go to this city of the sin. And you understand the situation here wasn't a, a one of manipulation. It was really one out of, out of their control. There, there was this taxing. And, and you know, I, I think about that taxing, and, and really it would have been a major deal back in the day, but, but honestly, for us, it really was just a little blip in history, wasn't it? This taxing, you know, we, we go through tax season all the time now, don't we? And yet, with this taxing here was announced, and really, it was only made famous and only made known because they, uh, this family, Joseph and Mary, had to go to Bethlehem. And because of that, we see the prophecy of his birth, the Bethlehem birth, but then we notice, obviously, secondly, the virgin birth. And notice in verse 5, to be taxed with Mary, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. And so, again, this choice that, that Joseph made to continue with the marriage, to continue to support and be with the, this, uh, this maiden named Mary, whom he loved, and yet whom we know was a virgin. We understand that Mary was a virgin, and, and Mary the virgin, the favored maiden of the Lord, let's, let's not marvel to the point of doubt. This was an amazing occurrence. We can't quite comprehend even the miracle of a natural birth. How are we to really comprehend a virgin conception? It's only through God's power. This was an impossibility. But again, with, uh, nothing is impossible with God. And again, as foretold in Scripture, the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And so God, right from, the, uh, right from ages past, foretold, in fact, as early as Genesis chapter 3, He foretold of a seed from a woman. And so we understand the power of God in the prophecy of His birth. And, and really there's a great importance to, to Mary's virginity. Uh, someone said it this way, Mary's virginity protected a great deal more than her own moral character reputation and the legitimacy of Jesus' birth. It protected the nature of the divine Son of God. Jesus had to save to have one human parent or He could not have been human and thereby I partaker of our flesh. But He also had to have divine parentage or He could not have made a sinless and perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And we understand that through Mary, the prophecy of the virgin birth, then we have the perfect Son of God, 100% human, 100% God. And I'm thankful for that this morning. And so we see God's power displayed in the prophecy of His birth. Secondly, we see God's power displayed in the predicament of His birth. But we didn't quite, uh, we didn't quite focus here in verses 2 and 3, but that would have been a huge ordeal. 
you understand that they already had to travel a great while to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And you know, Christ's birth didn't come with, without any complications. Really, his entry into the world, it was one, uh, was in the background really of a busy season brought on by, by really governmental overreach, if you really think about it. The government just announces there's going to be a tax and you've got to go to the city of your lineage. And again, Joseph being by David's lineage, he had to go to David's city, which was Bethlehem. And so this travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, you know how long it is by foot? It's 145 kilometers. Really from, if you were to take a, a um, as the crow flies, it would have been much less than that. But you understand they had to go through Samaria, they had to go around as Jewish people would have in that day. And so it would have taken them uh, 33 hours by foot if they walked straight directly. It would have probably taken them three days' journey. And, and oh, by the way, Mary wasn't just Mary. Mary was ready to give birth. Now some of you men, that means nothing to you. Some of you ladies, you understand. This was a tough journey. This was going to be a, a, a real journey where, where everything had to sort of fall into place. And you understand that, that they got there after three or probably a little bit more journey days. They got there and in verse 7, the Bible says, because there was no room for them in the inn, they had to go to the manger. So there were some predicaments that they faced. The travel, the, the sudden movement, something that was out of their control. They were forced to go to the city of Bethlehem. They were probably more comfortable in Nazareth where they had set up. And yet they were forced to go to Bethlehem. And again, when they get there, because of all of the things happening in the season, there was no room, there was no lodging, there was no dwelling where they would normally stay. You understand that probably in that city of Bethlehem, it wasn't simply other family members who were in that city with the, in taxation time. This was a, a highly political thing. And so probably the Roman soldiers were in town as well, and they were probably the ones that took up, uh, took up the inn. It was, a, it was really a cultural thing where the Romans felt they needed to be separated from the Jews. And so they were probably the ones in the inn. And so because of that, there really was no room for them in the inn from that point of view. And so we first... Note that their, their journey, the timing of their travel, this was a predicament. This was not probably what they would have envisioned if they were planning for a birth. I don't know about you, but I remember our first child when we were expecting Vicky. I don't know how many practice runs we did to the hospital. Any other dads like that? We did so many practice runs to the hospital, and, and you know, we're, we're fairly familiar with Westmead, where, where my wife gave birth over there. But for whatever reason, I just wanted to make sure. And so I, I could picture Joseph there. She, he, he probably, in his mind, uh, you know, the, the birth was going to come, which room, who was going to come and help, and had all of that planned. And yet, suddenly, this announcement came. Hey, by the way, Joseph and Mary, it's taxation time. It's taxation time. You're going to have to go to your city of lineage, and you're going to have to travel 145 kilometers to go to Bethlehem. And so just, just, it just so happened. And what I'm saying is the timing of their travel, whilst it probably was an inconvenience to both Joseph and Mary, God was not inconvenienced. You understand, He allowed 
really a wicked ruler, to decree a tax that moved Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem for really no other reason than this, to fulfill prophecy. He, he allowed a predicament to, to, to inconvenience them. And this, these inconveniences can sometimes make us think everything is falling apart. But when we're following God, actually everything's falling into place. You know, so many times when we have inconveniences, we, we feel bothered by them. We, we feel like we're, it's out of our control and therefore there's nothing good can come out of it. And yet what we see here was God. Just in the, in, in, through even their predicament, the timing of their travel uh, caused them to go and it again shows His power, but then also the trouble of their accommodation. You know, many believe that this inn was really a, a reference to, um, to an inn that was uh, spoken about in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel chapter 19. In Jeremiah chapter 41, the Bible says, And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem, to go to enter into Egypt. And, and we, we don't know that for sure. Some say that that is the case. And, and so we could see there that already there was some preparation work that God had made for them to have some sort of lodging. And yet this inn, when they got there, they had no room for the child Jesus. They had no room. You know, as sad as this is, we see that, again, really, this was no obstacle for God. There was a manger instead. This was probably a cave attached to the inn. And you can picture there, you know, how uncomfortable ladies get already. You want them to be as comfortable as, as possible. In fact, you know, I was a good husband. I think it was for Malachi. I knew my wife needed to be very comfortable, so I sent her to get a pedicure. All right? And then that night she gave birth. And so we, we want our, the ladies to be as comfortable as they, they ought to be when they're, when they're heavily pregnant. And can you imagine Joseph's heart sinking at that point? There's no room for us in the inn? Can't you see my wife? And yet they, the innkeeper said, look, there's a, there's a manger, there's a cave where we keep the animals. There's room there. And yet God, again, you think about how man prepared the inn but, but really, God prepared the cave. And God has His own preparations. It, it may not be to our, to our liking. It may not be even to our design. But you know, in, in our predicaments, God has His own purpose. God has His own preparation. You see, the housing matters not. Really, it's acceptance of Christ that makes all the difference. See, the Jews, they could have accepted their Messiah. Instead, here, the, the animals, those that the, 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 the Gentiles were compared to so often that the Jews disdained, they were the ones that were in right view of the birth of our Savior. See, God prepared a humble manger to enter into this world, a, a lowly place became His first earthly throne. And while those in the inn probably sang and laughed around the comfort of their abode, the King of the universe was outside, ignored and left in the details of the night. And I thought, wow, how, how like today? You know, if you had neighbors, you probably heard some reveling last night. I'm going to predict that some would have some gatherings today, that they'll have some revelings in their household today. They'll have their barbecues. They'll have their, uh, all of that get together. It's not 
not necessarily anything wrong with that. But, but you know, all those revelings will happen and often the king of the universe will be left out. And it's his arrival that we're meant to be celebrating. And it's him that we're meant to be accepting. And it's him that we're meant to be singing about. And, and the reality, though, was he was left out. But, you know, you think about it. Whilst the innkeeper said there was no room for them in the inn, the reality was, though, there was. You know who, who could have given room? The innkeeper could have given room. The innkeeper had his own room. He could have given his own room. And, and you know how like us at times, Jesus gives opportunity for us to volunteer ourselves for his purpose, for his use. And yet, he goes looking and finds residence elsewhere. Why? Because at times we don't want to give up what's ours. We don't want to give up what we find comfortable, what we find. And we look around and we say, there's no room. And sometimes we look around and we say, well, Lord, I know you're asking me to do this, but really there's no room. Go, go find someone else. And you know who will find? He'll find a humble place. He'll find a humble heart. And in a humble place, he'll reside and be accepted and then use that. And, and sometimes we can be that way. But here's what I'm saying. God showed his power over the predicaments of Christ's birth. Although those things happened, God was over all of that. But then lastly, we see the picture of his birth. Notice verses 6 and 7 once again. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. And notice two things here. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And even in their predicament, even in the situation that they found themselves in, God in His power used that to picture something. See, the picture of His birth. Well, lastly, we see that His birth indicated God's power to save. You know why? Because it was the reason He came. You understand, Jesus wasn't born to, simply to live. Jesus was born to die. Someone said it this way, the shadow of the cross looms over the manger. When you understand that, you understand Christmas. You see, the, the, the world is comfortable with the picture of Christ in a little manger. Innocent and really just, just something that we just sort of look at. And yet the cross is confronting, isn't it? When you think about the death that Jesus paid on the cross, you think about the suffering that He went through you know, that picture of that innocent baby isn't on our minds. And yet, even here at His birth, the, ultimately His mission of death on the cross, salvation for mankind was pictured. And really, it's pictured it primarily in two ways. Firstly, I want you to note the wrapping. The wrapping and the swaddling clothes. The word Luke used here for this was, was a medical term. This, this wrapping or swaddling it referred to here was the was the similar material used by the Jews to wrap wounds or to wrap the dead. That's the word that, that really Luke used for that. It was the wrapping. And, and we see later on, look at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And we see later on in verses 50 to 53,
And behold, there was a man named Joseph. So this is the death of Christ, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. So even though he was a Jew, he was not consenting to the death of Christ. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And notice this, and he took it down. And it's the same word, wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. So in a manger, where no baby was probably ever born, wrapped, and later on at his death, in a cave that no one else has ever used, wrapped again. You understand the birth of Christ, even at his birth, really pictured his mission, pictured his death, pictured the ultimate thing that he was going to do, and he taught great things, and he wrought great miracles, and he lived the perfect life. And we could, we could look at all of his teaching and, and marvel at the words, and yet, you know what was the case for his birth was really for his death. Really so that he would give himself willingly in our stead. But then we notice not only the wrapping that pictured the death that he was called to for the sins of mankind. But if you turn back to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2, notice the second thing, and laid him in a manger. You understand the manger also was a picture. The manger speaks of humility, the, the humility that he took on. He says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. You understand, the Lord Jesus gave up heaven. He gave up the majesty of His throne. He laid it aside to be born in a lowly manger. He humbled Himself so, so that He could pull us out of our poverty and pull us out of the poverty of our sin. And You know, we should be deeply impressed with the love of God. You understand, He willingly laid down the majesty of heaven for the poverty of this world. He would suffer the re realities of the human condition, and yet through His poverty, we have become joint heirs of His riches in heaven. And that's for you and I who believe. And you understand, the manger speaks of His humility. But you know, the manger itself, you know, the manger, it was, it was a wooden invention. It was, it was really a, a, a bit of a feeding trough. And yet perhaps Joseph, who, what was his, what was Joseph's occupation? Joseph the carpenter. You know, like any good carpenter, probably carried his tools. Put together from the scraps found in the caves, nails and wood. And you think about that, nails and wood welcomed the Savior, Jesus Christ, to this world. And yet it was nails and wood that would show him to his death. So yet again, the purpose, the, the, great, the great mission of Christ was pictured right here at his birth. And again, the power of God now to save is even pictured in the birth of his son. And today, really, that's, that's, that's the, the news that we tell. We could go on, and if you would attend and come through, we were going to follow and journey with Jesus through the book of Luke. But you understand, He came, and His purpose was being pictured here. He came to die. 
See, the Bible tells us in Romans 8.32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? You know, he willingly laid. He, he didn't spare his son. He, he, he used, uh, Jesus came to deliver us all. And so what do we make of this? Well, as we observe God's power in the prophecies of Christ's birth, as we observe God's power over the predicament of Christ's birth, as we observe in the pictures of Christ's birth the power of God, what do we make the, about this? Really, we're going to think about the gift that is Jesus Himself. You know, God did all of that. So this morning, He can give you and I a gift. And, and we're going to open this gift perhaps and look at the beauty of it. We're going to see, wow, look at God's work. But you know, God put in work. We might think, boy, look at it. But you know, like any gift, you've got to accept it. Like any gift, you've got to receive it. And maybe this morning, you've thought about Christmas and all of the decorations, all of the traditions. Maybe this morning you learned something that, well, Christmas really was about Christ. And you know, God in His power, He prepared to show us that even in His birth, it was all, all about the gift of Jesus Christ. And I know many of you, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the gift. And maybe today, though, you've never received that gift. And perhaps this Christmas morning will be the morning that you receive the gift of salvation through Christ. Because later on we read, and we read a little bit, Jesus truly did die. He, he laid down His life, and the Bible tells us that He did that because He loved us. He did that because we as sinners, we couldn't die for ourselves. We couldn't pay the penalty for ourselves. And so Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% man, laid down His life willingly. And it took all of that, but He's giving you a gift today. And I wonder, firstly, if you would receive the gift. See, the Bible tells us in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe today, maybe you've taken all year, maybe you've taken all your life and you've never really understood. Can I just say that Jesus came to seek and to save you? He came to save you. The, the announcement of His birth was, was that a Savior came, not a teacher, not a remedy. No, a Savior came. And today, He can be your Savior if you would believe in Him. If you would accept Him and understand you're a sinner, would you receive the gift? Maybe you have and perhaps you need to take joy in the gift. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe you've just been caught up in all of the other festivities of the season. And really, you've not made room for Jesus. Maybe you haven't even taken the time to really think about the great gift. And maybe you would just take some joy in the gift today. Maybe instead of taking joy in what you received physically, perhaps you would take joy in what you've spiritually received before. You know, that's one of the joys of Christmas is knowing that your Savior was born. And think of Romans 5.11, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And, and you know, those 
angels announced glad tidings. You know, the glad tidings wasn't simply the birth. It was the salvation that He was about to offer. And so, perhaps take joy, but then perhaps we need to give glory for the gift. You know, we can, take, we can give glory for so many things. You know, we could, we could speak all, all day, all night about what we got and what we, we plan. And, and we, we give glory, we highlight certain things. But I wonder if we would highlight the gift. I wonder if we would highlight our Savior today. And for those of you who are believers, perhaps uh, come out of the, just the, the tiredness and the weariness of, of, of our, all of our activities and just take the time to glory in all of that. All, all of the prophecy, all of the predicaments, and all of the pictures that God in His power displayed. And we might just give glory for the gift. The Bible tells us, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And really, as we think about it, we think about the, 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 the beauty and the marvel of the Christmas story. It comes down to this. He did it to give us a gift. And I wonder if we'd firstly receive it. Secondly, I wonder if we would take joy in it. And thirdly, I wonder if we would just give glory to God for the gift that He has given us in Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank You, dear Lord, for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank You, Lord, for the, the beautiful story of Your birth. And then, really, as, as agonizing as it is at times to read, to think about the, the willingness that You laid down Your life for us. Thank You that You overcame, Lord, all of those circumstances that You used it, Lord, to really drive a picture to us that really all Christ's coming was to be driven to that cross, to willingly, in love, die for sinful man such as us. And so I pray that You'd help us this morning, Lord, to just rejoice in that. I know, Lord, that there's probably many other things that we've got in our minds to do today. But I pray that, Lord, even this morning would take a little bit of time, Lord, to greet each other, but, Lord, to really rejoice in You and, and give You the praise. I pray that You just help us, Lord, as we head into the rest of this day. Lord, we, we want to honor You. Give us safety. Lord, give us a heart to just tell others also. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right.